Welcome back, everybody. Uh, episode 46 of Michigan Brews. Um, who do we got today? We got Michigan Mead Coalition. I was, I was afraid I was going to mess that up. So, uh, this is all going to be Brian's baby tonight. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, uh, so, I guess uh, let's bring Bill and Amy in. Um, so, I was fortunate enough to meet both of them down at uh, Valhalla. Uh, when they passed through down to the Sugar Belt Mead Festival, that's what it was, right? The Sugar Belt Mead Festival. Not like, okay. Um, yeah, and uh, and I asked them to be on the show, and they were uh, nice enough to uh, decide to come on tonight with us. So, welcome. What's everybody drinking? <laughs> Thank you. Currently, I'm drinking my um, my Zambian traditional mead. So it's made with uh, honey from the Zambian forests in Africa. And wow. it's it's now got three golds and a silver on it now, so it's pretty okay. tasty mead. Uh, very interesting. How it's old got, is a? Uh... How old? Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry. Age is I think. Uh, I think November will be two years. Cool. Very cool. So this is a rebrewed batch then that's that's won multiple medals on rebrews, right? No, single batch, just multiple bottles in competitions. Um I've uh I entered it like four months after I've initial brewed it and got a gold immediately. That must be what I was thinking about, because you took gold in Michigan Beer Cup in nineteen with that, right? The yeah. Zambia. Yeah. The Zambia, yep. yeah. Wow. That's why I was thinking it's older than two years, but <laughs> right on, it was just young. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was young. It was like, uh, yeah, maybe it might be three years then. I don't know. It's been a while, but yeah, yeah it's, it's quite quite a few golds on this one. So yeah, it's it's one of my one one of my favorites I've done just because I absolutely love traditionals and the the weirder and interesting the more interesting the honey the better for me. Like whenever I see somewhere's got something like gallberry mead or uh, any kind of like weird little honey from forest honey from like Uruguay or Uruguay and things like that have all kinds of like amazing weird honeys and, and they're awesome. So how does one acquire Zambian forest honey? Like how'd you come on, come across that? Yeah, no um, joke. It was actually uh on one of the AMMA bucks. They uh hmm. I think it was Z specialty. Amy, do you remember which one it was? Uh, that's yeah that's B seasonal. Um oh, B -seasonal. B seasonal does the Zambian. They have a lot of um Brazilian kind of honeys and uh, yeah, they're that's definitely BC, but you know, they're featured frequently in the AMMA buys. So, nice, yeah. awesome. What are you drinking? I've only been a member of the AMMA for about three months now, so I've been watching the specials. Yeah, they seem really, really, really good. Like, yeah. what about you, Amy? What are you drinking? Um, I don't, I didn't even think to grab any of my own stuff. I just ran downstairs and said, um, <laughs> I want something that's cold and, you know, just good. So I grabbed, um, a crafted artisan meadery cherry sizer is what I have here. And then for backup, cause I thought this might go long. Um, I brought a brimming horn, a plum buck plum mead that's been oak aged. So I haven't had this one yet, but. Um, both of those are really solid meteries and, um, you know, figure I have yeah. a big seller. I need to enjoy something that I haven't had yet. So where's uh, where's Brimming Horn from? Is that, is that what you said? Delaware. Okay. 
though. That's uh, John Talkington's metery. So um, really solid stuff. They're really good. Awesome. What about you, Jason? Are you doing, uh, just, in, doing the meat first or the hams? <laughs> uh, I got I got a boat going. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so right now I'm tucking into your Marionberry. Mm -hmm. Right? Oh, um, Berry. So it's uh, it, when did you make this, Brian? Last year? Mm, I think it was late winter, early spring. Yeah. So I've got that, and then I've got my blueberry. Uh, both of these are the, the no water added meads. Uh, Brian did the Marion berry, and then I took his kind of process or steps and did a, a blueberry myself. And so that's what I'm going to be going into tonight. But both of them are uh, super, super sweet. So uh, I'll be cutting in with some hams and spacing this out uh, so I don't get diabetes. I'll tell you what, when we were at the Sugar Belt Festival, yeah. the saving grace was the, was the, it was, uh, everything was so sweet because it's the sugar belt festival right so everything yeah, is like yeah. no sugar added 14 percent it was yeah so, <laughs> you know we all are uh, oh. our, our pancreases were bruised uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so it was a highlight. I'm just like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> yeah, so so I'm I'm too fisting it. Um, I'll call it a palate cleanser. Is my hams? There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what about you, Jordan? Um, drinking uh just meat I have on tap. It's a hydromel, I believe. So it's like seven and a half percent. Yeah. Um, made with all Michigan honey, pretty straightforward, straight ahead. There's nothing super fancy or special about it, but it's only like, I think it's like, that, right? or, what's that? We tried that before, right? I think you gave yeah. us bottles of it. Yeah. I so. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's only like my second, maybe third mead I've made. So cool. I just bought honey to do another one. So they'll be getting one ready for, uh, for the holiday season here. So did you make it sweeter or drier when you were doing the hydromel or? Uh, it's definitely, it's definitely on the dry side. Okay. So yep. no back sweetening kind of thing? Little bit. Little bit. Little bit. I back sweetened with a touch of orange blossom and that was, okay, that was nice. about it. Did you carbonate it or does it, is it still? It's carbonated. Yep. More on the uh, lighter side of carbonation. I can't the term oh, yeah. escapes my mind. Carbonate. Yeah. That, yep. That's it. Yep. Nice. That's awesome. And then I, I think, uh, I don't know if you guys were on the, I, the only reason I heard about this was because of the um, Michigan Mead Coalition post actually, but um, Manic did a uh, Mead Matters series not too long ago. And I still had like a, about a pour left of each of their uh, Tupelo blossoms and their orange blossom um, that I've just had sitting out on the counter per the, for, uh, for his recommendation, he said, you know, let it sit out on the counter for a couple of weeks and come back to it corked. And, and so I did. And um, yeah, it's still tasting just as you know awesome as it was that night. Um, the Tupelo is, is crazy, crazy good. I love Tupelo honey. Yeah, Tupelo honey is one of my favorite honeys. I, like, I think one of my top meads that Bee Nectar has ever made it was a long, long time ago, but it was their dry Tupelo. 
Um, didn't sell well because traditionals, tradi- you know, regularly don't sell very well. And dry anything doesn't sell very mm-hmm. well. So it didn't sell well, which was great for me because I bought all of it. But uh, <laughs> it was, um, but it was uh, delicious, and you know, just I, I couldn't get enough of it. It's just so good. I think um, probably one of the, yeah, the one of the best ways to kind of figure out how to you know actually taste meat is, is probably just like buying you know meat from people that have been doing it for a while. I only really started getting into making it probably like a year ago, and uh, you know, and and you had that uh, the traditional uh, metal foam that I made, and uh, I got great feedback on it. Thank you for that. And then you know, tasting this uh, compared to some of my traditionals that I have, like I c- I can kind of tell what. Um, you meant by like, uh, so one of the comments was like, you can kind of taste the honey in it. And so it's like, well, yeah, it's a mead, right? And you're supposed to have like a honey taste to it, but it's, it's more like balanced and blended, you know, in something, in something like this, it's not so honey forward, you know, I so, guess. So I'm yeah. starting to kind of get that. There's a big difference between, you know, uh, raw honey versus fermented honey, right? And mm-hmm. even with that, you know, you most of the time back sweeten with raw honey. So you're going to get some of that character, but you don't want that character to be the prominent thing in, in your beverage. Because then at that point, why not just take, you know, vodka and water it down with some water and honey? <laughs> and then we'd have almost the same thing, right? Um, yep, sure. And so it, uh, it really is a, a, all about taste. You know, it's all about balance between sweetness, acid, and tannin, and really that perceivable level that you want it to be without being cloying or too just straight raw honey. Yeah, I'm totally getting that. So Amy, um, how about like, uh, so we're going to, we want to get into obviously what the Michigan Mead Coalition is because we wouldn't have you guys on, you know, just to, you know, talk homebrew and stuff like that. Although we, we love it. I mean, we're, you know, homebrewers yeah. and beer brewers and that's, that's, that's like, that's totally our jam. And, and hopefully we do get into that, but uh, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and, and, you know, how you, uh, what, what your role is in the Michigan Mead Coalition. Okay. Well, um, I have been part of the mead scene, I guess, for, um, I think I'm going on six and a half, seven years now. Um, still really a newbie as far as the mead world goes, because everybody that, yeah. I, you know, not everyone, but quite a few of the people that I look up to just seem to have been you know, making mead for 20, 30 years. And I'm like, okay, I'm definitely new, you know, in that, in that realm. But in the time I've been in, I kind of, um, I didn't know a lot of people who, drank mead at all when I first got started. Um, I happened to run into the mead maker over at Kunin one day. It's sitting at the bar, you know, and it was like, well, what are you drinking? And we just had a little conversation and um, he brought out some mead for me to try that I, and I'm like, I've never, I think I'd had one mead in my life to that point. And <laughs> we've got in this conversation about flavor and, um, you know, from there it went into, he's like, have you ever considered making mead? And I'm like, no, because I mostly didn't know what the hell it was. So, um, you know, from there, he said he would teach me. And I oh, wow. was like, cool, you know, I, I'm down for learning new things. And so he taught me how, and um, 
you know, the rest is kind of history. I took off doing a bunch of competitions. And um, since I didn't know anyone who drank it, um, really, because I wasn't part of the scene at all, I wanted mm -hmm. to get some feedback other than friends and family saying, oh, yeah, this is good. And, you know, just but they didn't they couldn't help yeah. me at all get better. So I started to compete mostly for feedback and I did okay. I've, I've done all right in the competition circuit. Um, I like to think I make okay meat, um, but I've she's, gotten myself she's being Very modest. She's being very modest. <laughs> I think you were number 10 in the world last year or two years ago. So. Two years. Two years ago. So that, that's, that's nice. pretty damn that's good. That's pretty modest. <laughs> yeah, no, no joke. Wow. So, but okay. Anyhow, um, I um, got myself involved with the AMMA, and then when a group of us in Michigan here um, started to realize that there's such a huge group of Michigan homebrewers that and we're all parts of different clubs all over the place, and we all have our own little allegiance to our clubs, but it'd be great if we could all get together and talk mead and grow our craft and support um, meaderies that are local to Michigan as well. Um, so mm -hmm. that we kind of got together with the idea of camaraderie between the clubs and the different mead makers from all over the place and you know, wanting to supply some education and a chance for us to promote mead just as an industry. Um, all over the place. So it's really nice to have folks within our state, even though our state is huge, um, being able yeah. to come in from all over the place and get together. And, you know, we usually we meet at um, a commercial meadery generally. Um, that's been a challenge this past year with nothing being open. Sure. So we've been on a little yeah. bit of a hiatus, but um, we do have a meeting scheduled and I want to make sure I give you the right date. Um, a new a general meeting is going to be July 25th, which is a Sunday at noon at um, the Warren location of Coonan Brewing. Um, so that's K1 cool. for those of you who are, you know, there's Coonan first location and second location. We're going to meet at the first location. Um, we plan on speaking with uh, Frank Rattel will be there um, and talking to us a little bit about Coonan Meads. And then we um, are welcome at that location to bring some of our own needs to share um, and you know, kind of like our own little homebrew club. Um, yeah. And we'll kind of go from there. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Bill, what did I miss? I don't know. I think you did pretty good. Um, Amy's the, the vice president. So that's kind of the role she plays. I'm president. Um, uh, MMC kind of grew out of the idea that, uh, you know, there are these little pockets of mead groups that are auxiliaries to other clubs, but they tend to be really small and and uh, get, you know, overshadowed by the, the club in general. And we wanted to be yeah. not only an auxiliary to all clubs anywhere in Michigan, we also wanted to welcome people who were just flat out interested in mead, people who are just fans of mead. You don't have to have been making mm -hmm. it. You know, we really were like, hey, we'll teach you to make it if you want to make it, right? Because we're always looking for more brewers. But um, but even if you're not interested at all and you just want to come and learn about mead, uh, we do, you know, 
uh, meat evaluation stuff. We're actually um, helping sponsor a, uh, the, uh, a meat exam this year uh, with Gail Melbourne. Um, she's a member and uh, she's a grandmaster level three, I think. Three? Four? I think she's a wow. three. Wow. Yeah, she's, she, and she's amazing, absolutely amazing. But yeah, she'll be. She's been on the show before, actually. Yeah. 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 So she, um, she's, uh, she's gonna be, you know, running the the exam. But um, as part of her, one of our things, uh, perks for membership is um, there are many of us who are already meet judges, and uh, we're gonna run study uh, exams uh, beforehand, running through tastings, running through you know, the questions, running through honey profiles, through, you know, trad profiles, through, um, you know, different yeast characters, all different things for that. Um, and even um, sensory evaluation for faults and, uh, and uh, you know, fermentation yes. problems. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. So um, that's what, you know, we're doing that kind of stuff. So even the hobbyists who want to, who like mead and want to know more about mead, you know, uh, or interested in taking that exam is even that kind of stuff too. So, um, but yeah, that's where we're, you know, we're, we're just trying to be, bring mead forward in the community. Um, we're trying to be as open as possible to anyone who wants to know about mead and not be very region specific. So, you know, we've had, uh, so far we've had meetings in, uh, mostly the Detroit area, but we have had meetings in Ann Arbor, and we've actually talked about we're talking about having a uh, field trip me uh, one to Valhalla. Okay, cool. Be pretty cool. Um, we we've already talked with with Tom a couple times, and uh, he signed up for the Meat Coalition, which is awesome. Um, I think that's that's what I you know that's really kind of what we do. Um. Anything else going on? Anything you can think of? Uh, how many members do you guys think you have? We have been talking too. We would also like to start adding what we're going to call like mead road trips, and you know places uh -huh. that we can visit that are close together, and just say, hey, you know, as a coalition, anybody who wants to join, we're just going to kind of hop on the road and start visiting places around the state, um, or maybe someplace if they're a little bit out of the state, you know. But we'd like to be able to make little couple day trips and sojourns, um, you know, just to taste and check places out and support meteries because they could all use our support. Yeah. I think yeah, you were saying about the number of, uh, of members. I think right now paid members were uh, about 28, I think. But we have um, like 140, I think, on the Facebook page. That, uh, oh, it's 158 members right now on Facebook. So 158. Sweet. Wow. So we're so, small, but um, folks are passionate, which is nice. Yeah. So. One unfortunate thing was that you know this started uh, the January of 2020, and so by March of 2020, everything was shut down. So we did a few uh, really interesting uh, virtual events. We did a um, uh, kind of a, a meet and greet and talk with Michael Fairbrother from um, uh, Moonlight. Moonlight Meadery. And then we did a, uh, with a, uh, a wonderful meat maker in uh, California, we did a Tej demonstration 
where uh, we all kind of followed her and made our own Tej. Um, and if you don't know what Tej is, Tej is a uh, traditional Ethiopian mead made with the sticks and leaves of the Jato plant. Wow. Um, and so um, that uh, it's a really interesting mead. I've got five gallons of it. And if you're coming to uh, Michigan Homebrew Fest, I will be uh, having a, probably a keg of it on at the MMC tent. So um, you'll get to try some Tej. Uh, and I'll probably even have a couple of the traditional glass bottles to to show about it and things like that. So, um, so what's what's this plant? Getting, getting, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a it's a native plant that grows in uh, in the Ethiopian highlands. So uh, if you don't know much about Ethiopia, um, whereas a lot of um, a lot of Africa is desert, right? This uh, Ethiopia sits way up in elevation on a big giant isthmus, basically, and um, uh, or plateau, my isthmus plateau, mm-hmm. and um, sorry, and it uh, and it so it's got a relatively temperate climate as far as the rest of um, of Africa. So they have a lot of bushy type plants, and the Jato plant is a uh, is a it's pronounced Jato, but it's like spelled Geisho, I think. I think, oh, um, okay. and it's uh, and it's it's this like kind of bushy looking plant that they use the sticks and the leaves part uh, as part of it. Mostly they use the sticks. The leaves are uh, they call them uh, actually like they call it uh, African hops because they're they're rather bitter and they use it. They actually can be used as like a hop alternative. Um, but the sticks actually, you know, produce both the yeast and the flavor profile to the meat. So you get all of the yeast naturally off the bark of the sticks. So uh, it makes a really interesting kind of almost malolactic character to the mead, but um, still this nice, sweet, honey, you know, real soft character. Nice. How do you how do you acquire the sticks like uh, and, and you know still hopefully like keep the yeast intact and and stuff like that like all the way over here? You contact me and Bill because we both bought some and we have a crap ton of sticks. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Very true. Um, so you said something interesting there, Bill, that I caught. You said uh, MMC tent. So you guys are gonna you're gonna come with your own uh, tent this year. Yes. You're not talking about the, the second story of the, the, the fort for the So the second story of the fort AGB. I know. That's why I'm I'm, con- I'm con- confused here. I'm so we're not we're not a KGB club. We're, so you, uh, we're an exhibit everything. So we're having our own tent. And awesome. um, and we're uh we're we'd probably just because we everyone else belongs to other homebrew clubs as well. Uh we probably won't be like manning the tent and running it uh the entire time of the weekend but probably you know you know three or four hours a night um during mm-hmm. the prime time areas and then if anyone else wants to jump back there who's in the club and serve for a while you know whatever they want to do but we're going to advertise specific times and those times will be um when we're serving and that, that that's that's exciting to hear that we're going to have you know, and basically a new feature to Homebrew Fest than a, 
<laughs> so I think he's asking if you're at any of your meat under the MMC. <laughs> I, we had that actually a discussion, and, and you know, I was planning on entering mine as M my meads as MMC, and um, and since there's only one, you're only allowed one entry now. Um, technically, I could only win one one award if I went, so I'm probably gonna try to win it for MMC. Just because I'm president, so yeah. Uh, <laughs> right on, David. You, uh, you guys, you guys might, uh, might have some advantage there with uh, a lot of KGB's mead makers are MMCs, so they'll be wishy-washy on if they're going to put it on KGB or MMC. But no, I hadn't really considered which one I was going to do, but I, I probably should go MMC. So, but that'll that'll I don't want it to hurt our club either. So there's that. So <laughs> okay, it's, all, it's all about the individual, you know. KGB <laughs> can't win the can't win the uh, the meat maker. I mean the the uh, beer uh, Michigan Beer Cup every year. We'll have to let someone take the song. Oh boy, did you hear somebody sighed pretty big on that one? So. <laughs> we, we came at you pretty hard last time, but uh, yeah, yeah, you guys did, and you guys you, can really and, get and, 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 and you took it with the mead, so. <laughs> <laughs> so get out of our way, Bill. Oh, I think, I think <laughs> last year we uh, KGB ran the most of the meads. So yeah, you guys did. You guys, you guys yeah, were amazing. The category. There's only two and, that we didn't get the, the medal for. I think I'm, I'm. I'm pretty sure I got to try your Zambian. You were doing samples of the the upper bar, right? Yep. And it was. I, I remember it was, it was. It was amazing. So. But I will say though. I will say. Um, let's see if. Let's see if this works here. Uh. I don't know. Oh, yeah. That, that's if I can out. get him out of the way here, yeah. Here, what, oh, that's a whole lot of Brian. I've already made amends and, and apologized for whatever fruit I may or may not have stolen. <laughs> that that, uh, that that watermelon, uh, that's a KGB watermelon right there. Uh, we, we took we we claimed that as our as our own. Uh, I can't I can't get our our pictures out of the screen, but uh, Jason Jason had his way with it. Wow. <laughs> Somebody left it unattended. It was late. We were hungry. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize the next day, so <laughs> we no you apologize for the tomatoes. Don't worry. We were all too hungover to notice. <laughs> Actually I'm pretty sure I apologize for the tomatoes too. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, one bottle this year or one one entry. That's gonna be that's tough. It's gonna be tough because like you know I have a uh, I have meads I want to enter. Not necessarily because I you know plan on meddling with them or anything, but I want the feedback. Um, but then you know, do I just save those for other competitions and yeah, Michigan Meat Cup. try to well, bring my best beer the for this? Definitely. Yeah. Michigan Mead Cup is is coming up as well, so I don't think that's going to be quite as limited as um, Michigan Beer Cup. But that is coming. It's it's in October, so that's another. Oh, that perfect. was an okay. all mead comp, so there should be a little bit more room there for entries. Um, you can always also keep an eye on the BJCP um, calendar for competition because 
that's where they all are. Now, not everybody takes meds, but for a very long time, when I was just trying to get feedback, I just looked for random competitions in God knows where, whoever was having one. <laughs> and if they took mead, I'd send some. I didn't care if I won or not. I wanted to get the feedback. And it's important to have someone else tasting your product that isn't trying to just yeah. blow sunshine up your derriere. You want to have real feedback. Yep. So, um, and it's, you know, it's hard when friends will be, the friends will tell you that it's great even if it sucks. So they're not the best people to necessarily get feedback. So, you know, it doesn't hurt, especially if you're not in a mead centric community. We, we are going to try you know, over here. Yeah. 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 Cool. That's, another I, that's the same. It's, it's the same thing I say for the club, Amy, you know, is, is encouraging everybody to enter competitions just to get the best and most open feedback that you can. Cause you know, I like Brian, so I'm going to tell him this stuff is good, even though it's not. And, uh, I'm a you don't. That, you right? don't at all. <laughs> uh, well, good that's one other thing we've done. It in. Good friends don't let friends serve shitty mead. So that's. Just <laughs> yeah, hundred uh, percent. That's another thing the MC MMC has done did before we kind of broke for COVID was that we actually were doing a um, anonymous mead. Dropbox, basically at the beginning of the uh, mm. meeting, oh, you just neat. basically drop your meat in, and you put down um, a uh, you know put on like a sticky note with a number on it, and write yourself that number and just keep so that you have it, and then we will give a quick feedback and judging with like two of the hot top judges uh, that are there that time, and um, and that way you get feedback feedback on your meads pretty much right there. And everything that's left over, they just pour and let other people try. But we'll actually evaluate them and, and um, give them feedback on on what not only what uh, what we thought of it, but also how you might be able to fix it. Because a lot of these are like they're just thieving it out of a out of a uh, carboy, and there's plenty of yeah. time to do things like acid adjustments or tannin adjustments, oak um, flavorings, anything you want to do to it. And uh, so that way they have a lot better idea of, you know, what at least what we would do to to to. We were also up. encouraging folks to bring us their problem needs where they said, we don't know what the heck mm. is wrong with this. Can you help us try to fix it? And sometimes they're fixable and sometimes maybe not so much. But, um, you know, that that was a nice way to get some truly honest feedback is have it be anonymous. So we didn't worry about, you know. Like if I was tasting it in front of you, I wouldn't want to say, you know, okay, maybe this is not so good. You know, but you, it's it's better when it it's you can be honest. You don't have to be mean, obviously, but you, you, mm -hmm. it's better if it's anonymous. Constructive. So get right, true right, constructive right. criticism. Yeah. Yeah. Even, you know, even even me, I'm usually pretty good about being honest about my judging. But if I don't know you all that well, and you hand me your mead. And you're and it's got flaws to it. Unless you're like, please, 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 tell me exactly what's wrong with this. Uh, I'm usually like, oh, this is good, and you know, this is great, and blah blah blah. Because I, I don't want to discourage anyone, right? But um, it, that's a really good way to anonymize it. So I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, facing the person directly in front of me that uh, that wants my honest opinion. We've uh, we've discussed doing that at our at our homebrew club meetings before. Um, uh, 
uh, basically somebody just drops off uh, bottles to um, you know one of the officers or something. Uh, you know, a, a night or two before the the meeting, and uh, we bring them in, and the officers can you know set up the bottles. The, you know, then it's pretty much anonymous except for the you know person that knows who brought them, and we can crack open bottles, and everybody in the club can sort of you know, give their opinion on the beer and stuff like that. And you know, we're not um, we I, I don't think our club actually has any BJCP judges, but um, so feedback is feedback. Um, if if one, you get. Yeah. If you get like 12 people that say they, you know, your beer tastes like, you know, particularly tart or something like that, like you, you probably know that like that is a consistent real issue with the beer or, you know, something like that. Um, yeah, I, I'm 100% with a, a anonymous feedback for sure. Yeah. I just cracked open the, uh, the rest of the orange blossom uh, from Manic, which was... A little bit sweeter, 1040, 1041 actually, as a, a finishing gravity on that. I didn't think I would like it so sweet for a traditional, but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's excellent. I think you can taste the citrus more now. It's a little bit sweeter, maybe. I don't know. Hmm. Well, I think I need another drink. I will be right back. Right no I worries. Just yeah. money, so. <laughs> I, uh, if you hear like zipping and unzipping, um, it is my backpack. I have like a, uh, a backpack that I can, you know, stick like an ice pack in and it stays insulated. So I, I try to stick, you know, beer and stuff in there for the show and at least keep it a little cold or something, but sure. Sure. <laughs> so what do you guys have, um, on, on the books? Uh, you said you have your meeting in July on the 24th at K one. Do you have any other like presentations or anything planned or in the future for this year or. Um, well, we've got, um, we're trying to help out, um, again, Gail, she, Gail, uh, Milburn runs the, um, Michigan meat cup. We're trying to help her out. We're trying to find a head steward for her, um, for that one. Um, that was one of our kind of goals. We just, we want to really talk to members um, and find out where they want us to go because it's been such a weird year. Um, we have discussed a whole bunch of stuff as a board saying, okay, we could do this and we could do this and we could, you know, it's time to present a whole bunch of ideas to the members and say, all right, guys, where do you want us to go with this? And that, but um, the road trips and the field trips and trying to support um, the Michigan meteries is high on our priority list. So um, getting out to new places and just bringing, um, bringing members to the different places we, we meet um, every other month uh, rather than every month. Like, so we meet in person every other month. And then, um, you know, we try to get some form of education out there um, in the off month. So that's kind of oh, okay. what's, what's going on. We don't have um, a ton like concrete on the calendar because we did want to talk to the members and find out what they want what they want us to do. But we do have some fun ideas coming up, and um, we're hoping to get some more from them as well. And um, you know, just kind of pull this pull this weird year out of the dregs and come up with yeah. something that's actually fun. And you know, give I'm I'm all about giving people fun. So. My big thing is I need to be able to ask them. So <laughs> the meeting is going to be a good thing. So do you have any um, 
are there dates lined up for Michigan Mead Cup yet? Uh, there are. Let me see if I, I know it's yes. October. October. I think it's 10th. Oh, cool. Uh, 16th, October 16th. Okay, I'm glad you're on there because I was looking. So, yeah. yeah October 16th. And then, do you remember where they said it was going to be? Annie said it. She yeah, said it at the it's meeting. It's going to be at uh, Brewery Brecker in, um, what's that city? Uh, Brighton. Oh, okay. So, it does tend to move around the state. So, they had it down toward um, Metro Detroit last time and now. It's it's on the move. So yeah, if you don't know where Brecker uh, Brecker is, it's just northeast of Ann Arbor. Cool. Yeah, not far away at all. Get that on the calendar. So, Bill, while you were getting your beverage, they asked about anything else that we had solidly planned, and I was telling them that we wanted to talk to membership after you know and come up with solid plans after, but. Um, other than the road trips, can you think of stuff that we actually had, like, we're for, for sure doing this? Nothing for sure. Uh, we had a lot of stuff, like, starting to be planned right before pandemic, so I'm, I want to start bringing some of those things back up. Um, there was a couple of Pro-Am things that we were talking with to do um, a collaboration with a couple meteries in the area. Um, there were a couple of... Uh, um, Things that we were trying to do with more talks with some um, some more meat makers. Um, there uh, we uh, we we're going to do a uh, a honey education um, one that we want to work with a couple different meat, uh, honey uh, beekeepers to talk about beekeeping, um, and then also do another one that's. Um, all about uh, honey profiles versus what you know the their what their meads are, are different than what the honey actually produces, and how to like pick a good honey versus what is waxy about honeys, what are what's high you know uh, high water content in honey is, um, you know, there's a lot of different like tasting notes you can do with different honeys, and there's a lot of variety in honeys. Um, yeah. We've ever had buckwheat versus you know, you know the, some of the white Anything? ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the really, really light white ones, like um, white uh, sage. Or... Yeah, white sage, things like that, right? Though, like where white sage is, it's, it's super pale white, uh, light, and it will when you make it, it looks like water in a mead because huh. it's that light, right? Whereas um, buckwheat can be can look like a American brown. It's, it's so dark, right? So yeah. It, just the honeys themselves can be a crazy varietal in, in, in different shades as well as uh, would something Would something like blending the honeys like be included in that sort of presentation or would that maybe be like a separate one or something? I think that, that's something I have a lot of interest in. So I can't remember who it was, but there was a uh, talk at one of the um, – one of the homebrew uh, conferences, I think it was the one in uh, Grand Rapids, if I remember correctly. Hmm. I don't remember, but anyway, um, and they uh, were talk. They talked about um, honey using different types of honey, uh, like the way you would do with specialty grains in uh, yeah, yeah. 
in in beers. You use like a you know use a very basic wildflower or orange blossom something as your ba- your base grain, and then you build a flavor profile based on the different honeys you have in small amounts, the same way you would with specialty grains, and that you can you can really nail in specific flavor profiles that way. If you Especially know your with complementary yeast, it's it really does make a huge difference. Um, capturing all those different profiles and making the prominent things stand out that you really are that you want to go for. Um, it's been a really interesting journey for me. Um, right along with what you were discussing, I went to a different um, seminar out at UC Davis um, about bead making and that was one of their very prominently featured um, topics was honey pairing with your yeast and making basically making your honey do what you want it to do which is and I'm not really a beer producer so I'm just learning beer Um, but to me building that recipe and getting it to do what you want it to do is is key because it's all about the flavor really at the end of the day. And I don't really know how to build a beer. Um, I'm still using kits and still learning, but um, a a lot of people are comparing, you know, how to do that uh, from a a grain profile standpoint. And um, it really is the same when you try to build a great mead. So Amy just did her first beer all by herself. I did. Nice. <laughs> oh, congrats. Going. I did it all by myself. <laughs> she did a Katarina Sour. That's great. Yeah. No, we, we um, it's, it's interesting to talk about the, the varietals of honey and the different flavor characteristics and stuff those bring in, you know, and we, I guess as a brewers, you know, I'm, I'm well versed on the, the malts and the different malt, uh, you know, colors and flavor profiles that you get off of those. And, um, I never thought about it for other things. And when we had Andrew Blake on to talk about cider, you know, he started talking about all the hundreds of different apple varieties that you would never eat on the table that, that they press for uh, to, to get their ciders. And, and so it makes sense that you could do the same thing with the honey varietals uh, to get that same kind of or build that flavor profile that you're looking for. So that's really, really, really cool. Um, the apples you used to find as a kid make the best ciders around. Yeah, you wouldn't want. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. Yeah, I think uh, Ken Tramp posted something about a crab apple variety that he uh, it was on his Facebook page the other day. He's like, the flavor's amazing. It's all great like this, but to make a, a pie, I would kill myself or something. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to go pick so many. But he, I think he did mention that it makes a good sizer. Um, uh, so we have uh, Brian Newcomb from uh, Gluten Free Beer Supply um, up by I think Troy, Michigan. Uh, he says, you know, do you know, do you guys have a good spot on where to buy great honey or, or where do you guys get your honey? Absolutely. I have a great, uh, great place. Uh, it's called, uh, Windmill Hill Farms. Um, they're technically out of Croswell, Michigan, which is up by Port Huron, but they have a pickup spot in Gross Point, Michigan. So I, uh, you can opt out of getting it shipped and pick it up in Gross Point. Um, and you don't have to pay shipping on it. Uh, and it's actually really great because it's funny you you literally pull up and you're you're you know it's it's a it's a relatively modest house but um, every other house around it is these 
four or five million dollar mansions in like you know you know like my old boss lives like four houses down from them in this giant mansion right and uh pull up and they literally just say press the button on the side of the uh of the house or the garage the garage door is open your name will be on a bucket you just grab the bucket throw in the back of your car and that's wow. it you never that's... talk to anyone never see anything no they and literally cool. drop they just keep dropping people's orders off in the garage and they give you a little code and you're you're, you're good to go so huh. they, awesome. they are wonderful um what was her name again windmill hill farms yep they're great um as a amma person i'm definitely going to talk about becoming a member of the amma and um their monthly honey deals are fantastic they they feature um an apiary every month and they get some sort of great deal from them um and they've had all kinds of different honeys from all over the world that are featured and usually you get some um insane discount and there's usually shipping included in that and it's it's really one of the best deals out there and it pays for the membership in one one shipment honestly because you oh. save that much so it's um those are fantastic deals some of the places that i've gotten some more exotic honeys from because i do a lot with traditionals and um i really do like varietal honey um z specialty is a fantastic place to get them they are a little bit more expensive so if you can hold off until the amma deal they usually have two a year with them um be seasonal is awesome walkers honey farm is amazing there's um there are quite a few out there that have just some amazing amazing honeys um but they all have such you know different profiles and they're all over the country so yeah there's there's yeah. a lot I know for just like basic honey, I think like wildflower, um, maybe a couple of common varietals you can get uh, web restaurant store. It's where Brian and I have bought before. And I know for bulk, uh, bulk honey, it's it's affordable if you're just trying to make something, um, you know, like these no water added fruit needs, right? Where you're not really looking for any honey characteristics, you're highlighting the fruit, you know, the Kentram dessert style um, mead, but, um, Brian, whose computer crashed, uh, when he gets back, I'm sure he can tell us about, he orders uh, some crazy varietals from a guy in Hawaii. Um, oh, oh is, he, right. is that the guy who does it in the bags? Yeah. 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 I, I haven't tried that honey yet, but I've seen um, people featuring that or talking about it a lot on Modern Mead Makers. And I've been really curious about that honey. I mean, for the price shipped doesn't seem that bad. Um, I, I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. I just know it's not, it's not, it's not a bad price. And Brian was getting, I think, coffee blossom, uh, tangerine blossom, some other, you know, uh, cool. Hawaiian Lua, because that's in. Yes. He yeah, Hawaiian Lua is one of my favorites, so. Yeah, I know that he got that one. Here he comes. He'll tell us. <laughs> He's slowly coming in. Right. Man, we're just waiting for him. And <laughs> but yeah. There we go. You're back. Well, uh, tell us where you get your uh, your Hawaiian meat from or honey. Uh, 
it is from, of course, I know his name up until I'm like friends with him on Facebook up until you asked for that. Uh, Sean Harris. Um, he's in the Modern Mood Makers group. Uh, he's in a few homebrewing groups. Um, he runs, boy, I can't remember the name of his farm. Um, wow, Kelly. Wow, it's W A O K E L E, two separate words. Um, but yeah, great, great stuff. I got a, my Lahua blossom came from him. I got a tangerine blossom from him and a coffee blossom, uh, which I'm going to open in a sec here. Um, it's been in bottles for a couple months and I haven't opened one. So I'm kind of excited for that. I had one of my Lahua blossoms uh, a couple nights ago and I thought it tasted like pretty good. It was, it's interesting. I think Amy, you actually had a talk about this down at, uh, Valhalla and that it has just kind of this like because I was worried that like I got like bad honey or the wrong honey or something because it kind of has this funk to it it's like this citrusy sort of funk or something and it's it's awesome and it's unique um and it's like deep and rich and uh um and, and that comes through in, in the mead but yeah, I was I was worried. I wasn't sure because you know I'm I'm no, still trying to perfect. learn what these that's what these honeys taste like. And well, that's one of those things that you don't always expect too from different honey because you taste it raw, like out of the barrel or whatever, and you taste it and you're like, oh, this is delicious. But when it ferments, sometimes it doesn't taste anything like what you got in that sample. And yeah. Um, so that's one of those honeys. Now, I, I absolutely love Hawaiian lahua. That's one of my favorites. But like you mentioned, when it ferments, it does tend to get a very slightly, um, some people would call it maybe medicinal or eucalyptus mm -hmm. sort of flavor. That's part of the honey. That's, that's in there. It's a little bit of funk that comes with it. But um, you also get all these beautiful floral, floral characteristics that you don't get anywhere else. Is this? It's a gorgeous, gorgeous honey. But it's a, it may, it's perfect for a traditional. Um, but if you blend and you blended that with some other, um, I would love to see that with white sage. It would be phenomenal. It would bring out all these tropical notes, and it would be fantastic. So, but yeah, there'd be a lot of different ones that you could blend and make them, make them really great with the different ones. So, and I just bookmarked that page so I can check them out later because I have not had the pleasure of buying from them yet, but I have heard only good things. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's usually, I think 90 pounds for 20, I'm sorry, $90 for 20 pounds. Uh, and that includes shipping. Oh, Oh. Um, yeah. So, so honestly, I mean, I feel like it's, yeah, it's, just, it's pretty solid as good as anything yeah, for, you know, honey like that, I guess, I guess, I don't know. Really? <laughs> Again, I've only been into this, you know, for however $4 many dollars months. a pound for, for that, for that, those. Yeah, it's like four fifty with shipping. That's, that's not bad. So yeah. especially if you're getting, and he, you know, different varietals for that price. And it's not just mm -hmm. you know, your area wildflower. That's, that's a solid price. Yeah. Some of those, those, uh, traditionals, uh, you know, the, I mean, the, the monoflowers out there, they're going out like $15 a freaking uh, pound. And it's just like, I, I can't. So when you buy a wow. little honey beer, it costs a lot more. So yeah. 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 Yeah, he ships them in these nice, uh, these nice pouches. 
Um, I guess is the only way to describe them. That has like a little twist off knob, and um, if if they uh, crystallize a little bit, they're really easy to um, you know warm back up if in like a you know a really lukewarm uh, sous vide bath or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. Nice. Yeah, I've seen the pictures um, of those those pouches. People getting their honey from the pouches. So on bottom makers and things like that. They're really heavy duty, thick. You know, well-built plastic bags. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure if they're actually built for that or yeah, what they're actually for, but they do the job really well. And and I'm gonna apologize in advance too if if I crash again. I hopefully I won't. I don't know what it is, but like um, the last couple of weeks, just this show, my computer runs fine all week long, and then like we'll do the show and like an hour in or something, and it just starts like misbehaving. So I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're the, so hopefully I won't go away again. Like 20 seconds out of sync. That's funny. Uh, stop spending yeah, money I, on honey and uh, build a computer. Know, your computer. <laughs> Let me. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna come back into the stream. Hold on. We'll see if that syncs anything. I was like, yeah, he was. He was pretty far off. I know. It was like you hear him talking. And he was drinking <laughs> on stream. It's like <laughs> some kung fu stuff there. Anyway. Um, what other uh, <laughs> trying to trying to get an upgrade? Stephen David says, um, "What other uh, you know? When I was a uh, first got into brewing, I'm like, I can make a honey. It's just it's just honey and water. And I I got a big old bucket of honey and I mixed a bunch of water in it, threw some yeast, and forgot about it. Uh, and I'm still um, still trying to do something with that. You know, five gallons of mead uh, seven years later." Um, it's still kicking around my basement because mm. you know the first time was really horrible, it too sweet. Then in the second time, I I rebrewed it really dry, uh, and then I tried to blend it together, and that didn't work. Then I put fruit on it, so I might actually bring some of it to homebrew fest so you guys can tell me what what's wrong with it. But okay. what so like tips or tricks or? <laughs> you said you threw yeah. together basically honey, yeast, and water, and that was all, right? Like you didn't yep. do anything else. Okay. Yeah. So. It's important to room, to know if you don't already that um, there's very little nutrient in honey. Um, there's nothing to feed your yeast, really. It's just sugar, um, but it needs nitrogen in order to actually really grow. So you need to provide some additional nutrients to your mead in order to have a healthy fermentation. And if you don't provide those things, you're gonna get things like jet fuel or um, nail polish remover, or that some a lot mm. of those unhealthy off flavors that a lot of times people associate with home brewed mead because you're they're not helping their yeast out at all, and it's you know producing all this massive um, just off flavors, and frankly, it's not very good. So um, following a nutrient protocol super super important. Um, I, you can use a whole bunch of other, a whole bunch of different ones. Um, there, it's all a mead maker's preference really, but there are some tools out there to help you. Um, if you are not, if you're using a staggered nutrient protocol, Tazna is an awesome way to go. Um, batch builder is another, um, you can, it's just batchbuilder.com, but it's not quite spelled right. It's spelled a little funky, but, um, that you can type in what you want out of your mead batch, like where you want to finish and whatnot. It'll tell you exactly 
how much honey you need, how much nutrient you need, and it just spits out basically your recipe for you. It's very, very handy, but you, you absolutely have to feed your mead or you're going to wind up with something not so good. You're not gonna wanna drink it. So, and a lot of this stuff, you can't correct after. Once it tastes like nail polish remover, you're kinda screwed. So you have to provide some kind of nutrient. Another thing is um, is a lot of a lot of new meat makers don't realize, especially with their brewers, where uh, you know beer brewers, where you've you've been learned that you you get oxygen up front, and then you don't you don't want anything to touch that beer that's gonna add any way oxygen as soon as fermentation starts. Meats um, they tend to build up CO two because of the viscosity of the honey. So if you've ever made mead and you've jostled around a little bit, it foams up like a, like a, like a carbonated beverage. And you're actually supposed to get rid of that. So once a day, you know, you're supposed to go in there and it's called degassing the mead. And you're actually supposed to stir up your mead and degas it. Now I've had meads that have literally exploded when I started degassing. And it's like, no, Kano. Wow. Right. So they, they trap a lot of CO2 in it and you don't want that CO2 in there because, uh, you know, it's, it's off gassing CO2, but um, you'll, you'll starve out the yeast that because if it's too high a concentration of CO2 in there. So you mm-hmm. want to get that CO2 out of suspension uh, to keep a nice, healthy fermentation. And that's another thing that a lot of first-time mead makers, especially ones that were brewers first, would be like, no, I'm not going to stir the, this mead every day. That's just going to make it taste like cardboard. But there's so much CO2 that it doesn't matter. Hmm. And, and that's where I, I really was going like starting. Yeah. Is to try to, glad to glad highlight some of those differences because, you know, it's, it is lessons I've learned now, um, you know, and, and Brian kind of educated me a, a while back on, on the the yam and then the um, or the, the nitrogen needs and stuff, but I, I guess I was highlighting it for the homebrewers that are watching as some resources. So I've linked uh, uh, meatmaker.com's uh, batch builder uh, in the link, and and then yeah, to do that that research to see what what's different, um, the degassing, the nutrient schedule that's really important. Um, you know, I guess my question was going to be, what's the most important uh, thing for? We we always get asked this as homebrewers, right? And the typical homebrewer answer is sanitation. That's a if you're going to brew a beer, you're, you're, you're the most important thing that you need to pay attention to is sanitation. I would almost argue that that's not the case with mead making, but that's what I was going to ask. Is um, no, I would it's, argue it's, that vehemently. Um, sanitation is still incredibly important. A lot of the same bacteria and problem critters um, that happen in beer happen in mead too, and you absolutely need. Um, yeah, I'm no, a stickler for clean <laughs> sanitation. Well, if you think about it, I mean, yeah, if you if you blow it on a batch of beer, you probably spent, I don't know, what fifty point. bucks, sixty bucks, whatever. If I blow a batch, a five-gallon batch of honey, I wasted a few hundred dollars you know i mean yeah it's a yeah. huge yep, amount yep, yep. of money i am super careful with how you know so, i don't want any critters in there um definitely sanitation is hugely important yeah. so uh, on the other hand of that uh you know yet again 
from from a beer maker turned mead maker. Um, some of the the practices that a lot of people do for mead makers that make absolutely fantastic meads you would never dream of doing as a uh, brewer. Like um, I know a couple of mead makers that they don't uh, they use cheesecloth over the top of their 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 oh big mouth bubbler mead you know uh, hmm. vessels for the first for the primary fermentation for the first week. They don't. Oh. They don't even use like a like a uh, you know a bubbler and a top airlock or bowl off. Yeah. Airlock, mm. none of that. It's cheesecloth, right? Just to make mm. sure that flies and stuff don't fly into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a uh, honey is is are is naturally antiseptic, and b again because there's so much uh, CO two off gassing from it that it naturally keeps its own blanket of CO two. So um, mm-hmm. it, any of the, you know, stuff that's going to hit it in the in the, the very beginning is is not going to be getting it uh, through the cheesecloth. Now, again, if you have a, a, a unsanitary vessel, then you're uh, you're going to get problems. Right. So sanitation is absolutely needed. But on the other hand, um some of the things that you would never dream of doing as a sanitized beer maker can make absolutely fantastic meads um, just because of the nature of honey. Yeah, I feel like uh, like having having started to make a lot of meads, you know, this past year, I, it definitely feels like starting over from scratch a little bit. Um, you know, you you have to learn for the most part a whole new set of yeasts and a whole new set of like, you know, a whole new understanding of like what those yeasts do, you know, cause you can use, you know, beer yeast to make a mead, but um, you have a whole new option, right? A whole new set of options now too. Um, so that was new. And then, yeah, I, I know what a lot of grains taste like, but you said something, what was the honey that you mentioned earlier? White. White sage. White sage. White sage. Yeah. Sage. Also yeah. One of my favorite. Like, yeah. I, I, like, I have no idea what a white sage honey tastes like, um, you know, and so, you know, it's, 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 it's one of those things like you, there's, there's all the honeys that you sort of have to know if you want to start doing, you know, blending or something like that. And um, yeah, like, like Bill described a whole new set of fermentation processes, um, staggered nutrient additions. Generally, you don't worry about that in beer at all. Um, degassing. Um, oxygen, you know, it's, is totally different. Like, uh, um, meat isn't probably quite as susceptible to oxi- uh, oxidation as like a new England IPA. Um, well, it's not when you first obviously, obviously it still exists, but yeah, yeah. oxidation yeah. can still happen, but not usually during primary fermentation. So we don't worry about it so much then. I mean, as a person who's just learning to make beer, I'm kind of on the opposite end of your spectrum because I started with mead. So that's, um, it's a whole reverse kind of thing for me. But I guess the way I've kind of started learning about it is with mead, throwing together a batch, I can make a batch of mead in maybe half an hour and I'm done. But I have to babysit it for about, two weeks and I take readings and I make sure I add my nutrients and I degas or, you know, even just rouse the yeast a little bit. Um, Punch my fruit 
punch down the fruit mm -hmm. if you are using, you know, whole fruit. Um, it's different. You guys have like brew day and you're, that's, that's it for like the whole darn yeah, day. Yeah. That's, it's a different animal. My, the same time goes in the same kind of level of dedication goes into it, but it's spread out over, you know, a week or so. Yeah. Um, a week yeah, to 10 days. Fair. You have to do something to it almost every day and kind of keep an eye on it to make sure it's, it's going where it's supposed to go. Um, mm -hmm. so it's, it's similar, but you know, where it's, your time is just spread out a little bit differently. I, uh, one thing that I was reading about people, um, doing that, um, that I have a lot of interest in because I, but <laughs> I feel like I have a new hobby every year within like, you know, the realm of making alcohol. Um, but last year I got really into making like mixed fermentation, like wild sour beers and stuff like that. Um, and I probably have 60 ish gallons sitting down in my basement right now. Um, that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll cake up occasionally. Um, and my goal was to get a blending program going and, uh, and you can do that with mead too, as I understand. Um, a lot of Absolutely. people blend finished meads. Um, it, and, and, um, I'm reading about people that like Jason, maybe that made a mead that has some off flavors. Not maybe not necessarily like, like, Oh wow. Holy shit. Like this is super bad, but like something that's not quite right. Um, being blended into something that's like quite a bit better and making something that's more unique and still good. Um, and I, I like the, I like that whole idea, um, of being able to create a product that isn't, um, that, that wouldn't be able to exist without doing that, you know, sort of blend. So, uh, another KGB member, I don't know if you guys might know him, uh, uh, Michael Spears, he um, is yeah. a phenomenal blender. Like he will take like five things and just start blending them and make amazing uh, <laughs> drinks. Um, so he's uh, he actually now is um, one of the three triaxel guys. So he now does a commercial meadery. Um, and he's actually planning on doing uh, mead cocktails at uh, – for uh, for National Mead Day, the first Saturday in uh, in August. Oh, oh yeah, that's Saturday. The one. Jason, you asked what we were doing. One of the big things oh. that we're going to be doing will be for Mead Day, and it is out at Triaxial. So uh, yeah, we will totally be featuring them, and um, and all that they're doing a lot of fun stuff out there. But yeah, that's one of the things that we will be um, will be doing is celebrating mead day out at triaxial and looking for other other meaderies who are um celebrating mead day as well so but they're the only ones that we have heard solid things from right now as of a plan for mead day so we definitely want to support them and we want they're they're new like new ish they kind of opened right during the the whole pandemic so um they've had what four four or five releases now Something about like that. that. About that. And they're they're doing some great things. Um wonderful um meadery. Um they're all pretty much, I mean, at least two of the three of the triaxial people are like homebrewers that went pro. And we definitely want to support cool. those folks. So um, but they've been doing fantastic things for years. All the it's you know, Barry and Mike who were 
if you go to um, the MHF. Thank you, MHF. Up on they do the Mead Power Hour every year up there. Um, it, they're two of the three who are who did the opening, and they so they they definitely know what they're doing. And they have that's not like a beer power hour, is it? No, it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the third one is uh, is uh, Paul. Paul Zimmerman from oh, formerly of B Nectar. He's uh, the third the third triangle person. Yeah, I'd heard he moved over to track, so I didn't know the the other two guys were uh, KGBers. beers. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, they've been friends for years and been talking about doing something for years, and then finally it just. You know, uh, Barry retired, and and Paulie happened to fall into something that he, you know, wasn't making meat anymore, and so he wanted to start doing it again, and they they right found the so. Yeah. yeah, that's the dream. Yeah. Well, to retire first, I guess, but. <laughs> yeah, retiring is good. Yeah, both Mike and Barry were teachers, and. Very tired and close. So, well, well, Brian says, uh, "What about good temp control?" Retired and got another job. So, <laughs> temp okay, control. So. Um, go ahead, Amy. Okay. Well, temp control um, obviously still important is because you need to um, you need to do what's best for your yeast. So you want to. You, you have to control your temperature at least somewhat. Um, what's nice, I mean, my, my cellar temperature is in my basement is right around 65 to 67 degrees, pretty much year round. So I'm pretty lucky a lot of the wine yeast like that temperature range. So I can pick a yeast for my ambient temperature and not have to do a heck of a lot to it, which is really nice. But there are other strains of yeast where they, you know, they're much more comfortable in a specific temperature range or things like um, Kavik yeasts, which were, you know, obviously mm -hmm. those are beer yeast, but we're still using them in the mead world, um, speeds up our fermentation quite a bit, but they, they want warm temperatures. So if you have to keep it like between 94 and 96 degrees, you have to have some way of doing that. So just like you guys are doing in the beer world um i have a little fermentation chamber that i made um it's pretty much a box with the uh, an insulated box that i put the heat strips in and i've got my yep. temp controller on the outside and i just kind of throw as many as i can in there um and hold it at a specific temperature or i've also used the um cowboy wraps or um, almost in heat bands, you know, all sorts of stuff that I can <laughs> yeah. throw on a, a temp controller to keep my fermentation stable at whatever temperature that I need it to be. And for, for the most part, that those are, are they work pretty well. Um, I think honestly though, Bill lent me his Anvil Foundry and I made meat in that thing and i ordered one as soon as i could because that <laughs> was amazing for both beer cool. and mead and i can't wait till it comes in because you know holds temperature within a degree and if you you know it's important to be able to keep your yeast happy so heck yeah i definitely um 
you know, strong advocate of the temperature control. It absolutely has to happen. When uh, earlier, when Bill said you were top ten in the world a couple of years ago, what uh, was that like? One competition, or is that like a circuit, or like what? No, what is that uh, was, what's that? What's the story? Referring to is I I made it into the top. I think I didn't finish in the top ten. I think it was in the top twenty. So it was like number thirteen or something. But when they were doing the um, the Mead Maker of the Year circuit, so it was it was a circuit. Um, and they okay. added up the points for all the whole bunch of different competitions. And, um, you know, I, I, I did okay, but obviously not the best. That's, but, that's know, pretty, that's know. pretty much like really good. I think, right. yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you're short selling yourself again. Yeah. Okay. I didn't win. So. <laughs> yeah. Mead maker of the year is put on by the AMMA every year. And, uh, okay. I think it's, is it? 15 competitions, Amy? No, it's actually smaller than that. It's, is it? it ranges, um, they, it ranges every year, honestly. So it, it's not that old of a, um, a title. It's only been like the past three years. And obviously a couple of those years have been jacked up because, you know, all the comps that were mm -hmm. scheduled over the past couple of years, either they're happening or they're not. So, um, it's only been around, I think it's on its fourth year right now. Um, so the very, the first and second year that it came out, I was competing pretty hard. The past two years, I've kind of said, I'm going to wait for all this crazy to be done and I'll get back into the competition circuit. So I'm not keep competing as hard at the moment, but I'm still thinking that I have a lot of information to share and I'm happy to do so with whoever wants to learn. So for those, uh, for those competitions, are you limited to like one mead per category or, um, no, well, can you really kind of send in as much as you want? Um, okay. some of the comps have different rules or different criteria for entering. Uh, that's one of the things I strongly suggest is if you're going to enter in mead competitions, make sure you actually read the, the rules and the descriptions, mm. especially for uh, BJCP, like where does this mead go? Where should, what category does this belong in? And and each rules, um, each set of rules for the competitions are different. I'm sure it's the same for beer, but um, yeah, yep. sometimes they're what they want or what they're asking for is it's wonky, and you'll be disqualified if you don't follow their rules. So it's really important to make sure you actually read their set of criteria. Um, some of them will say you can only enter one mead per category or subcategory even. So if you, mm. um, and then others will be like, no, throw them all at us, it's cool. As long as you're willing to pay wow. an entry fee, we'll take your product. So you could run a whole <laughs> category in some competitions and I've seen that, um, but wow. it, it really does matter um, what their rules are. And just so you and, know, um, Michigan Mead Cup is on the Mead Maker of the Year circuit. It is. It is on the, oh. the oh, okay. It was okay. past two years, yeah. Very cool. Okay. When when, uh, when you're bottling mead, then um, do you reserve some, like, into, like, beer bottles then to set aside for competitions? Uh, or, or do the competitions take, like, corked bottles? Like, is that, like, a – do you have any, like, thoughts ahead of time on, on what you do there? 
They take both. Um, usually, okay. most comps want 12-ounce beer bottles um, with caps, but they will take mm -hmm. corked bottles, and sometimes they are specific on what size bottles they want um, and how many. So in mead, it, it gets a little bit difficult sometimes with mead when they want more than a couple bottles because some of us are small batch mead makers and you know i tend to make more now but when i first started i was like okay i'll make a gallon batch and try this out see how it goes but until you learn your process and figure out all your nutrient stuff sometimes it can take you nine months to make that one gallon and then oh, yeah. they want you know you run into a comp that wants four or five, six bottles. And you're like, okay, well, I'm screwed. That's, That's half it. my batch. Yeah. My whole damn batch is gone. <laughs> so um, it makes things kind of difficult, especially since when it takes six, nine, 12 months, sometimes until you have a product that you consider to be great. Um, you can't just regroup, you know I mean? It's not like yeah, I yep. hear people yep. say who make who make beer. Well, just make it again. So okay, sure I will. Okay, and, and I'll mm -hmm. be able to compete with you in about a year. So no worries. <laughs> it's just it makes for it a little uh, harder because it's yeah a, it's no one hundred percent for the national homebrew competition. Um, this year they're they're doing that all in one go, um, as you guys probably know. But um, in in previous years, you know they've done. Uh, 11 12 13 regional competitions and then yeah. you know all the top three placers go to the nationals and for people that you know made say like a an ipa or or something um they they specifically say that you can rebrew your batch for the final competition too um and yeah that's that's just not a thing that you're gonna be able to do you, with you me. can't you, you can't turn around in, in two weeks yeah i have entered that comp a couple of different times and I have made it to nationals a couple of different times. Mm -hmm. But basically when you enter that, you have to know you have a large enough batch to make it through the beginning um, rounds. And then you have enough to send in um, to nationals if you make it because you can't remake that. You don't have enough time. So it's if you're going to start brewing specifically for competition, I strongly suggest five to six gallon batches because um, you okay. can't do it with one. There's there's no way if you're if you're a one gallon brewer, there's absolutely no way you can make it through a competition circuit of a year and still have enough. It, it, you're just not going to be able to do it. You, you kind of it sounds like you sort of need to get a pipeline going then too a little bit. Maybe um, you know this year's circuit is based off of a mirror that or a mead that maybe you started, you know, last year, you know, sometime. And so you have, you know, your, your competition meads that are all bottled up and going out right now that you started last year while you're already planning on making next year's uh, meads right now while the circuit's actually going on and stuff like that. Yeah, um, that's, that's not yeah. inaccurate, especially if you are making things like um, sack meads or, Mellow mm. that need a little bit more time or very fruit forward meads perhaps mm -hmm. need a five years for Polish mead. Polish mead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a mead right now that is two and a half years, oh, maybe a little over two, 
but they say don't serve it. They don't serve, you can't serve Polish mead. They want you to age it for three years. So wow. it, wow, that's, that's a, long a, a long time to be able to wait to, you know, to serve something and hope it's good. Um, but if you're going to compete with that, you better have, you know, a decent amount. Otherwise, you know, you can't make, you won't be able to serve it again for three years. So, um, yep. you know, it takes a little bit. So especially the bigger ones. However, there is a little bit of a, a trend out there right now. And a lot of people are, are doing this. They're making the lighter meads. They're making more hydromels. Um, they call them quick meads. And they're, you know. Oh, I haven't heard that. Two to three pounds of honey per gallon is is usually average. And those, they, they're ready faster. And a lot of times people mm -hmm. are, you know, you can flavor those. You can do a lot of things that are um, different and they're quick. They're a lot quicker than um, a lot of traditionals or standards that are out there. They just are a lot more especially now with the Kavik strings, they're really quick to produce. You can be done fermenting really, really fast. And then, you know, your bulk aging um, doesn't seem to have to be as long. So you, you're getting a higher quality product a lot faster with, um, you know, the the hydromel than you are with a traditional yeah. or Yeah, I, I turned around hydromels in about three weeks. And I know commercial breweries that are turning around in 10 days. Wow. Which is amazing. Wow. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. I let mine sit for four months. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> I know I know. if you've ever been to Four Fires down in uh, Ohio, a uh, mm -hmm. lot of their hydromels, they're fantastic. And they're turning them around in nine to 10 days. That's incredible. It really is. Yeah, that's super crazy. That's awesome. So, and I know a lot of the, the folks that are working the competition circuit, because it does take a lot of mead to be able to to do that competition circuit. Um, that's a lot of them are competing and doing extremely well in with Hydromels. Um, wow. Otherwise, okay. it's just super, super, super time consuming and expensive. It's it, it's not yep. some yep. it's not you can't compete and be cheap. You can't do it. So it's not, it's definitely not a penny pincher's hobby. So. Yeah. Learning that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You can be like Carvin Wilson and have, you know, a year's worth of salary in honey, you know, sitting around. I'll hear him be on a show occasionally and, and, and talk about his, you know, honey collection or whatever. And it's just, just mind blowing. Yeah. He has an incredibly, it's an extensive collection, but what's really, really nice is he's super willing to share his knowledge about it. And he's actually willing to share the product. Mm -hmm. So I stewarded and then judged, um, one, it was for mash. No, um, it was in Minnesota. I think it, it might have been Mash Out. Um, but he brought over 70 varietal honeys to wow. do his wow. his luncheon like talk. He was the speaker for two days on that. Um, and he put out a crap ton of varietal honey for everybody to <laughs> taste. And everyone thought it was crazy, but I didn't care if they thought it was crazy or not. 
Um, I drove in a snowstorm to get there last minute because I heard they needed stewards. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to come and help out. I heard Kevin was going to be there with all this honey. So I drove 13 hours in a snowstorm to get there. Oh, and wow. the next day when everybody was, you know, listening to Carbon and doing their lunch thing, I sat there with a notepad and my toothpicks and I tasted every single one of those honeys and took notes. And they were like, That's awesome. are you actually taking notes? And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm taking notes. I just drove 13 hours for this. I, you know, I'm like, <laughs> yes, I want to help you with your competition, but this is why I'm here. And Carbon shared all those, which was absolutely amazing. So he's a, he's a wonderful steward of mead education and just mead in general. He's a great steward and he is willing to share all of that. So I'm, I've been very grateful for his tutelage and for everything he's been willing to share. So he's, he's a wonderful mead steward. Awesome. Well, um, yeah. Do you have anything else, Jason, Jordan? No, it's it's been it's been it's been really interesting uh, talking to you guys, and uh, yeah. I can't wait until we can get out to uh, Michigan Homebrew Fest to hang out, drink some meat. And, Absolutely, uh, we'll have plenty there. Yeah, Absolutely. Brian and I are working on on something. Well, Brian more than than I, we're working on something to to bring for the Keepers Club. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay, which club are you guys again? I want to make sure. Uh, we're, we're keepers yeah. of craft. Yep. Okay, keepers of craft. I'll have to make sure that I pay attention to you guys and come on out there and try your stuff. <laughs> They're always right next to you. We'll be doing. Uh, we're moving. Okay. We're moving this Oh, year. you're moving. We're moving. Yep, yep. Yeah. yeah. We'll be in the corner next to uh, Livingston Social. Uh, so it's all the way in the, the back. back. All the way in the corner. Yeah, back yep. left. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the back left corner. So. Yep, we are in a spot. No, no, Brian no. and I are putting together a, a, a five-gallon batch of triple berry, no water added need, right? So yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be a special tapping. Let's have a whole keg of that. Yeah, nice, nice. And then uh, you guys are um, just on Facebook right now. You have a website, the Michigan Mead Coalition. Uh, yeah, yeah no just, website yet. We're just on Facebook. Okay. Yeah, I think it's okay. Facebook.com/groups. Slash, um, uh, I think it's, I don't remember. I don't want to say it wrong. <laughs> well, uh, let me pull it up. We'll post it. Yeah, and we'll, we'll link it at our, on our page too. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And then anybody can join the, the Facebook group. Um, yep. But you do have dues if you want to like take part in like the tastings and stuff like that. I'm yeah, the, the, basically our rule of thumb is, uh, you know, anyone's welcome to come to uh, any of the 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 uh, meetings, but um, if you you come to more than two, you need to you need to buy in and get a membership, right? Um, Fair. Yep. Yep. We're we're always trying to you know bring people in, so you know we don't make it a hard limit, but we want to make sure that um, we're, we're you know keeping our membership up so that we can you know have funding to do some of these cool things, but yeah. uh, also still you know push it out to the public. Right on. Very cool. Yeah, we'll make sure to link that. And yeah, I, I tried, uh, and Facebook messed me up, and it looks like crap. So we'll redo that. Um, <laughs> so. so, and Brian, you did ask earlier, um, well, when you messaged me about joining, um, there is yeah. 
I talked to the treasurer about um, about that, and he did set up. There is a PayPal set up, so we, if you want cool. to join via PayPal, that can happen. Um, I think it's like I don't know. It, it costs the club a dollar extra more or something if you're not paying in cash, but it's not a big deal at all. So he totally set it up, and um, we would be happy to take your membership for sure. <laughs> Let me give you money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <we'll take> it. <laughs> the link is uh, facebook.com slash groups slash MI Mead Coalition. And then that's it. So, yeah. Perfect. That'll that'll get you there. Awesome. Well, cool. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Thank um, you for having us. And here's Absolutely. where we were going to talk to you. appreciate you featuring us. Outro.